Welcome everybody to Future of Beauty Unfiltered. I am your host, Hannah Cook, Head of Growth and Innovation here at The Pull Agency. Firstly, a Happy New Year 2024. And today, I am seeing the New Year in with two very glamorous faces. I am joined by not only one, but two women from the incredible beauty industry, Camille and Stephanie from 1999. Welcome, both of you. Hello, we're so happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining. And you're actually from the other side of the pond. Whereabouts in, is Canada, isn't it? Yes, we're based in Toronto. <gasps> Lovely. I love Toronto. Beautiful part of the world. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I am going to do a little bit of an intro into 1999. And then actually, I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys today all about redefining traditional beauty and what that means for not just women but everybody in this day and age so it's safe to say you love makeup you're both there rocking a beautiful form of red lip which i'm thoroughly enjoying and regretting now i feel like i should have joined in um but more importantly you love how it can be used to kind of empower and express yourself uh, working together in the beauty space for over 10 years, you found yourselves kind of questioning the beauty norms of how we're supposed to look, um, how you should age, and also how we as consumers should be using makeup. And kind of, I think, from this experience, 1999 was born by the sounds of it, yes? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so 1999, 90, oh God, I can't talk today. This is going to happen all day. I'm telling you now, every <laughs> podcast I say this, I'll put my teeth in one day, I promise. So 1999, it's a brand that is inclusive of all ideals of beauty. And I definitely want to talk about that in more detail. But your mission, if I've understood it correctly, is to tear down traditional definitions of beauty and to allow individuals to create their own, which I think is fabulous. Um, in your quest, you're actually working to kind of close, you're working very closely with industry experts um, and we can talk about that in more detail, so I won't do spoilers, I'll let you introduce them. And obviously, um, I think one of the key things is working on what your frustrations have been as consumers to share that mission. So together, obviously, as a team, you're looking to really open up and change that dialogue around beauty and how consumers use that makeup. Um, so it is a makeup brand as a starting point. Let's make that really key. But it's a makeup brand with a twist, um, which is what I found really exciting when I was actually kind of looking at you guys. So I'm going to jump straight in. Um, just before I do, your beliefs are that there is no right or wrong age, nor right or wrong beauty standard. So if that's the case, what does beauty mean to you? What is it actually all about? Well, for us, beauty is really about joy, expression, uh, fun. I think it really comes down to attitude. I, I don't think a bad attitude is beautiful. <laughs> um, and I think there's so much noise within the beauty industry and it's all around us about how we're supposed to look, um, how what beauty is. And I think it's really hard to distill that um, from a personal experience, how, what you think is beautiful. Um, and we really just want to create tools that allow people to define beauty on their own terms, whether whether that is something that's a full glam with amazing smoky eye, or if that's just some sheer gloss. Um, that's really what we feel beauty is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And beauty to us is more about, like, as Camille said, it's like more of a feeling. It's not, of course, we think there are, and we love 
like beautiful things, but something that's beautiful to us could be totally atrocious to something, to somebody else. And that's also where the interest, like really the interest lies. It's like one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's that kind of same principle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really interesting though, about just beauty standards in general, because if you you think about the language and the way we understand the phrase beauty standards, Mm -hmm. uh, you can either say it's like a bar has been set, therefore this is the level or this is the expectation. And actually what you're saying is, no, that's a load of nonsense. I really also love that, you think kind of a bad attitude isn't beautiful. That's really interesting as well, because I think attitude has been such a big word used in the beauty space when it comes to self-expression. So where, you know, what were you guys doing before? You know, you were in the beauty industry for about 10 years working together before. So what were you doing and how did it get you to that point? So we started, we both started our careers working at Bite Beauty, which was a Toronto-based lip-focused brand that was really incredible and they made everything in-house. So the office was located above the factory floor and like when orders were running behind, we would get to go onto the factory floor and like help pack stuff out and the lab was there as well. So we really got an introduction into how the industry works from like the iteration of a product to testing the product, to making the product, to selling the product. Um, So that's where we started. And we were both there from the launch of the brand to the LVMH acquisition of the brand. And then shortly after the acquisition-ish. I left first and then Camille left. Um, And then we worked at a company called Red Earth, which was uh, started in Australia and then acquired by a woman based out of Shanghai. So we worked for the sort of Shanghai iteration of the brand. uh, And we together uh, launched the brand in the US market and developed it in Canada, but really with a focus on the US. Um, and so working really closely with the team in Shanghai to grow the business in North America. So that was an amazing experience because at Byte, everything was super hands-on and the supply chain was global, but really like it was sort of under one roof. And then working with a brand out of Shanghai, it was understanding sort of from a global like a global shipping. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, shipping. Shipping, yeah. So, and the product was made all over. Like it wasn't, none of it was really made in China, but uh, also getting a like view into the Chinese market was incredible. Um, so that's what we were doing before. And then during this time, while Camille was at Byte, she did a master's. Um, I did my master's at Parsons in New York and we had to do a project where we looked at an industry and something we wanted to change about it and like kind of see a problem within that industry. And I was working in Beauty and Bite. I was social media manager, I doing a lot of content. Um, uh, I actually started there before there was even Instagram. So kind of growing with Instagram and seeing kind of that world that was opened on social media. And I noticed that while it was amazing that we now have these platforms where anyone can express their idea of beauty, anyone can share their ideas, we saw more ideas being presented, but also this kind of trend of sameness would grow as well. Everyone was kind of 
expressing themselves the same, or if it, maybe you could see that pressure of um, these I these beauty ideals um, kind of taking like overtaking um, the the images we were seeing um, on and, social media, like so Instagram and things. Yeah, Instagram. I mean, this is before TikTok. Um, so mainly Instagram, and then at the same time, I'm really close with my mom um and she's been always very open with me about getting older and one thing you know we use a lot of the same makeup products we wear a lot of the same clothes and I just didn't see any people like her anywhere I did not see her represented a working woman in her 60s super cool you know using the same products I do why didn't I see her anywhere and why didn't I see her represented um, and I think her frustrations with aging were more emotional than physical. It was, she felt great. She felt youthful, but she um, felt like she didn't belong. And it made sense to me that if she can't see herself represented anywhere, of course she doesn't feel like she belongs. So I think seeing that sameness growing on social media and then hearing her experience really got me thinking, how can we change attitude attitudes towards aging within the beauty industry? Um, and I think it just, first off comes down to representation and how we talk about the topic. Um, so that's really how we started talking about 1999. I kind of shared these ideas with Stephanie and she was completely on board, completely saw beauty um, the same way I did. And those were the initial conversations that really were behind the start of the brand. I love that. I mean, do you know what? You guys are an absolute dream team because I don't even need to keep asking the questions today because you're just <laughs> answering them already. But I love how um, something I found really interesting you said about with your mum is she didn't feel included because she wasn't seen. And I think age is such a sensitive and, and very strange conversation in the beauty space and it's still going on. And it, for for us and one of kind of, we do, you know, obviously a lot of consumer research, we're always asking those questions and trying to really get to the crux of how people feel because we can look at all the, mar oh, again, I can't talk today. We can look at all the market data as much as we like, but people don't buy based on market data. They buy on how something makes them feel, particularly when it comes to skin care, hair, anything for them as a person. And so for that reason, we kind of have this opinion that, age is one of the not the only but one of the real last taboos in the category that's hanging on in there um why do you think it is why do you think age still is one of the last taboos and as i said particularly in the beauty industry and why does the industry and, and some could say society and that's the thing that's kind of the chicken and egg conversation remain so youth obsessed you know who needs to move away from that mindset first you know there's so many questions around this but why do you think age is still such a big deal in this category well i think we can't ignore the reality and human nature i think that it's natural to look at a baby and think they're perfect like they have perfectly flushed cheeks and um these features and as we get older they change and again, I think we're visual beings. We can't ignore that. And I think when it comes to aging, we need to address that. I don't think many people like getting getting texture to their skin. I don't think many people like getting wrinkles. And that's okay. I think we need to just kind of open our minds on how we can make this, make it be okay, make it feel more comfortable, um, make it cool. And not say, oh, you have to love your wrinkles. It's it's more like 
I have wrinkles, but so what? So it's kind of coming back to attitude. How can we change our attitude towards aging, not change the process itself? I think that's the really interesting part, isn't it? Is as you say, like not everyone likes their wrinkles, but why? I don't, that's the bit I don't understand because aging is a privilege, you know, mm-hmm. to, 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 to get old, there's a privilege and there are many, 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 many people in this world that have not experienced that privilege. Um, and I do think that actually a huge amount of it is society led, you know, these industries are so closely interlinked with the fashion world and everything else. And so how you look is important. Um, and I think if we go back right to our fundamentals of what we are as animals, which is technically what we still are, very intelligent ones, um, is to reproduce. So I guess when you get to that point with age where, you know, you're entering, entering perimenopause, God, guys, honestly, this not being able to speak is driving me nuts. You would not believe I had an espresso shot before we joined. You can tell it's beginning of January. Um, You know, when people enter perimenopausal stage, even postmenopause, it's as if, well, you can't produce anymore, so you're a bit pointless. And I think that goes, and that's not true, by the way, but that's how I think a lot of women are made to feel. And that goes back to that representation. So what was it for you guys as a brand that wanted to change that and how so you're talking about it's okay to love your wrinkles or it's not you can totally not like your wrinkles but here's what we can do with it so where where's that mindset come from to kind of embrace those of all ages well i think sort of going back to the question of like why don't we like our wrinkles i think there is the idea that you pinpointed was that we are animals and that there is like to us, we're in no way denying or upset about the beauty of youth. Like I have a six month old daughter who's like this perfect. No, oh, congrats. Chunky, like absolutely stunning thing. And my mother who's 67 is stunning and beautiful in a totally different way. So I think for us, it was, as Camille said about the social media, like that sea of sameness that it was like, all of a sudden we had this tool with social media and Instagram that could be used to show how one is expressing themselves in however way they choose. Uh, And all of a sudden that like the dissemination of beauty standards was so quick and so like, it was on such a mass scale that all of a sudden, instead of this expression coming from me and how I'm interpreting beauty standards, I'm just expressing it to look the same as like my favorite influencer. It was like this, who was basically Kim Kardashian. She she was like the tip of it. And then it just disseminated from there. And it was, it's kind of a really wild thing to see. Um, And so for us, with beauty standards and as a brand, it's not about denying the beauty of youth. It's about being able to explore and accept that there are so many different kinds of beauty, like the like my mother and child. It's like two, they're not in the same category because it's just not the same beauty. And we just felt like there was only a singular representation of beauty. And that was how do you look youthful? And for us, like, looking youthful is looking like within that it's looking rested. It's looking energized. It's like being excited and engaged in life because Mm. like 
so much of the time, like when you can't reproduce anymore, it's like, okay, you're put on the shelves. You're no longer relevant in terms of all our culture and popular conversation. Mm. As for us, it's like, no, no, that's when you've learned, like there's incredible things that young people do. And there is incredible wisdom that older people bring to being able to critically analyze ideas, produce new concepts. Like there's, and the, like mixing of those things is so exciting to us um, and where we really see like things going. And for us being able to represent that aesthetically, because we are very aesthetically driven individuals is a super exciting thing. And And kind of going off what Stephanie was saying about beauty being, or youth being about feeling rested or feeling energized or engaged in life, again, kind of about attitude. Color is an amazing tool for just bringing energy to your face or even faking it if you don't have it. You know, it's like putting on a, we learned but at bite, we fell in love with lip and we like putting on a lipstick can do so much for your energy, how you feel, putting on a fresh color in your cheeks. It's just, there's so much beautiful color in nature. And I think it was, um, oh, who were we speaking to that said, um, a lot of people say want natural colors for their makeup. Um, but if you look at nature, there's amazing colors. Look at a flower, look at a poppy, like being able to play with that on your face is, is just so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love the whole, there's definitely a lot of kind of like positive color um, reinforcement, even in clothing, you know, when the weather you know, it's winter here at the moment, dark and gray. And I woke up this morning, looked at a bright yellow jumper and went, I really want to wear that today, but that's going to completely be so in your face on this podcast. So I won't. Um, but it is, you know, and, and the same with makeup. Absolutely. Like you say, there are days where, you know, you could be absolutely on death's door feeling rubbish with a cold, but you can put a full face of makeup on and it will be the show must go on. And I think sometimes it's there to either help you express yourself or empower you to support you to portray what you're needing to because your battery is not a hundred percent in that moment. Mm-hmm. So another philosophy of yours, and I think this I find really interesting is to do more with less. When we've just had a conversation about color and palettes and playing and self-expression and everything else, another philosophy is to do more with less. Where did that ethos come from? And how is it different? Um, well, I, I mean, I was kind of getting sick of hearing less is more from everyone. Um, I do believe less is more when it comes to like excess. Like I don't think it's good to own a ton of stuff and have a ton of stuff. But at the same time, when it comes to beauty, I don't think less is more like you shouldn't have to limit yourself in terms of what you're expressing or how you want to wear your makeup or even the clothes. So I think for us, having versatile tools is what really allows you to not to still do more with less product. Having one pencil where you can wear it as an eyeliner, a blush and a lipstick allows you to have um, a pared down routine while not limiting creativity. And the whole notion of like no makeup, makeup look sort of was starting to grind on us a little bit. Like, again, it's this idea that I mean, women or people who are constantly wearing makeup um, are like, you're supposed to hide that. Like it's supposed to be something that you're actually just supposed to look super rested and super beautiful and flawless. But I don't want to know that you've put any effort 
or time into that because that's like a quote unquote waste of time. Whereas for us, it's like, no, let me see your effort. Let me see your expression. Let me see the fun and playfulness you're having with your makeup. Um, we don't need to not know that you're, we're interested in knowing that you're wearing makeup. Like we don't need to hide it and say no, no makeup, makeup. Yeah. I mean, to be makeup. honest, if the men helped a little bit more, we probably wouldn't be so tired and therefore needing to wear <laughs> yeah, makeup. Exactly. I mean, be real. I remember having a six month old baby. I'm here. I get it. Um, <laughs> so, why why apart you know you you spoke already about and I, and I love this idea of and there are these products definitely emerging in the market where it's a multi-purpose tool you know it is a blush it's a lipstick it could be an eyeshadow there's all these kind of influencers using i think kylie jenner did it not that long ago one kind of like chubby contour stick and it went everywhere and just blended it in um but again like you say it's to kind of give off that natural look but then there are a lot of people that don't like that natural look um so Apart from kind of that, where do you think that empowering people to show they're using that makeup can really make a difference? When it comes to, I think, confidence, is it a case of hiding your imperfections? Because a lot of the time that is what brings people's confidence through, like, you know, like the um, the kind of everyone's walking around wearing the um, spot stickers and they're different shapes and they're walking around with stars on their face and it's a very i personally for me i mean i'm a millennial so i'm definitely someone that's like oh, no you can't be showing a spot oh. but that very much kind of in the younger generation there are trends particularly in kind of outside of europe where they're happy to own the fact that they do and it's becoming a fashion accessory and they're kind of accepting their i don't want to call them flaws because they're not flaws because everybody has them but there's still this perception that they are flaws and i think mm -hmm. that's half the problem so where like in an ideal world if you gave t tell me about your top three kind of products where where would you love to see someone use that to express themselves um so i think um so we work with um, a Toronto-based makeup artist, Simone Otis, um, to develop all our products. Um, and she's our lead makeup artist. And she always says, um, you can use a product instead of covering up, let's say, your under eye bags. Think about drawing attention elsewhere. So it's really about attention versus covering. So she always says, if you don't like under eye bags wear a lot of blush because no one's going to be looking at the bags if you have a beautiful flush cheek so i think it's really about i love that yeah. <laughs> i might try that <laughs> so i think it's about taking attention elsewhere so if you really like your lips like we both love mm -hmm. our lips and are always wearing lip color um i wear lip color every single day like there's always a color on my lips i feel naked with, without anything um or if you really like your eyes like try adding a little blue uh, eyeliner, just even if it's a hint, if you're afraid of trying a color or it can be obviously a full blue eye. Um, I think for us, uh, representation um, and showing blue eyeliner on multiple age groups has been, we get amazing feedback on that and emails from women in their 70s who haven't worn blue eyeliner for years and then see our imagery and are excited to try it again. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm kind of going off of the three products mm -hmm. um, that I would... Well, I kind of like that. I mean, I always, it's, for me, it's a bit nostalgic, but you talk about blue. I was one of those kids that wore the electric blue mascara and thought I was the coolest person in the world. <laughs> and it makes me so happy to see it all coming 
back again. I think you've kind of answered my point, actually, which is what you'd love to be seeing people do with your products. Um, we, we spend a lot of time talking about what we don't want people to do, but you've created these products to allow people to do things. So it's what would be that perfect outcome, whether that's playing with colors that you aren't afraid to use before or different formulations. How does that work with older skin though, when it comes to formulations? Um, that's just a thought that's popped into my head. Cause obviously there is very much this, you know, older skin doesn't wear, like for example, shimmer in the same way that younger skin does, because you've mm -hmm. got, you know, you have a slightly a more uneven skin kind of we'll call it a roadmap um you know more crevices and things like that so how does that work when it comes to the types of products that you have and put out there for i guess all skin types so all of our products like all of the pencils um and like products that go directly on your skin are cream based so they're super creamy formulas that work across all skin types and textures, which is something that Simone, who has been working on different faces for over 30 years, has, she's been incredible in bringing, she's like a wealth of knowledge in that regard, because she can say this will work really well on this skin type. But if you add wrinkles, it's going to sink in or the pigment's going to shift. So that has been incredible. And just being conscious too of what like what we like, but also DD Camille's mom has been, she does all of the creative for the brand um, and Simone who does helps us with the product. Um, their skin is a very different texture than ours. So they mm -hmm. can try it. We can try it. So just being sure to um, cater to uh, use formulas that can cater across the spectrum um, is how we've approached it. And what about like color? Are you finding that different age groups are gravitating towards different color? I'm, I could make an assumption that they are, but I'm really interested mm -hmm. to see what you're seeing. Um, so this is just a bit of a story, but Didi, my mom, who does uh, our creative direction, um, she asked me almost every week, are people buying the red pencil? Because she just loves our red pencil. She is a red lip person. And I'm like, you know what? Red doesn't sell. I, I don't understand. I think everyone needs a good red pencil in their kit. And But the reality is the neutrals will always, I think, be kind of the driving force. Um, mm -hmm. We just want to make sure we have a variety of shades to support I different ideas and creativity. So we have the blue, we have the green, yeah. but neutrals will always be. It, even oh, red. I mean, it's the same in the nail category. If it makes you feel better, they've got yes, the bright yeah. neon yellows that just sit there gathering dust, and the the pinks are gone within seconds. So there's definitely yeah. a safe a safe space that people like to go to, and I think that's mm. half of the challenge, isn't it, with kind of a brand like you, where you're trying to encourage people to kind of push themselves out of those comfort zones a little bit. And that's across category, or excuse me, that's across ages too. That's mm -hmm. not saying that our older customer is doing that and our younger customer is going for the green. And our older, like it is really incredible to hear that we, like from customers who haven't worn a blue eyeliner in 30 years, and then they saw it on our model and now are wearing it or like older friends of ours who are pretty neutral ladies are popping a bit of the green eyeliner on and just really enjoying the play that that brings and is something that they never thought they would try. 
So there we are seeing that exploration um, and however that may look like for us, we also want to be really conscious that we're not, we have no interest in telling our customers how to feel when they use our product. We just want to provide essentially tools where they can explore and have fun with what brings us essentially so much joy, which is makeup. It's the process really, isn't it as well? I was just thinking as you were talking, talking about green, if I think back to when I was kind of younger and I had all of the time on my hands, I would sometimes sit there on a Friday night and do the most amazing, outrageous makeup with nowhere to go, by the way. Best makeup I've done in my life. No one else has seen it. <laughs> Went straight to the bathroom, washed it off and tried something else. And that's when I would play with all of the different palettes. You know, you'd get those mammoth palettes when you were kids with all of the different colours and the crazy purples and the blues and the greens and, and everything else. Um, and I think that's where you make your mistakes, isn't it? And by mistakes, I mean looks that you've just gone that does not that does not work for me but i think one of the things that's a real shame actually um and it's definitely going to make me go and get a bright colored palette out i think and try it next time but um is once you've made that mistake when it comes to makeup and things like that you typically don't want to go back and try again and the reality is as you've said your products are tools and i think that's a really nice way of looking at it because you can use tools in multiple ways you know a, a screwdriver doesn't quite work for this one but actually it works perfectly for the next drawer so and i think sometimes with colors we kind of give up and go nope that's our palette that's what we can work with and then we don't ever revisit it again which is a real shame because there's probably great things you miss out on um so it's so nice that you love the colors and I think I by the way girls I agree with you on the red lip I am a red lip lover my my hen party was based all around the fact that I love a red lip um <laughs> we went great Gatsby just so I could go for a red uh -huh. lip um so I'm totally here with you for that but um I've got a couple more questions um that I really want to ask and I want to just go back a little bit uh, to your mission as kind of two, what sound like very passionate women in this space. So your mission is to tear down traditional definitions and allow individuals to express themselves. Now, when Catherine, our, our head of brand and myself, were actually kind of looking at meeting you guys and putting the questions together, we ended up having a debate and she was saying, oh, it's about amplifying how you're feeling. And I said, well, not always. And but sometimes makeup can be amplification. And sometimes it can be expression, but sometimes it can actually be the mask that you need for that day because you're not feeling it. And all of those are available. Um, but when it came to breaking down the traditional definitions of beauty, there's two questions. The first one is, have you defined what that traditional definition of beauty is? And if so, what is it? And the second question is, how do you empower and equip women to define their own sense of self and beauty? How do brands do that with their products? Um, so we don't have one definition for traditional beauty. I think, I mean, when, when I start thinking about it, I think a lot of it comes down to the male gaze and like the, the beauty outside versus the beauty of what your own definition of beauty. <laughs> um, so I think beauty defined by the male gaze would be, you know, full hair, big lips, big eyes, just everything kind of exaggerated in a way that's in the, yeah, a way that's very unattainable and kind of circles back to the beauty of youth. Um, so 
for us, it's really about ownership. It's it's taking back, tearing down traditional standards of beauty is really just about taking back ownership um, of what beauty is um, and allowing people to decide that themselves. Um, and then the, the yeah. second one was actually, um, if you've decided what that is, how do you empower and equip women to define that own sense of self? And I think that's what you were saying about helping people take back that empowerment. I do, I do agree, you know, a huge amount of it has been, and I don't want to say it because it's now, because the world is changing now very slowly, but it is changing, right? So that's my caveat before everyone starts sending me messages, um, that a lot of it is based around the male gaze or, or actually just based on someone you want to attract, whether, no matter who that yeah. is. Um, and you know, as we all know, flushed lips, flushed cheeks, that side of health, a lot of this comes back to, as you were saying, right at the beginning, you know, it's the ability to reproduce. So it's all this good skin, clear skin, it's all around signs of health. And therefore, when you show that you're healthy, you show that you can reproduce, like fundamentally, <clears throat> excuse me, as animals, that's, that's what we're designed to do. And these categories have caught onto that. So when we go to the traditional beauty, it's shaped around that, but how how do you want to then empower and equip women to actually define it themselves rather than what society or us as human beings have defined it as i think it's it's going back to that idea of both representation but and also just uh like how we how we sort of conceptualize uh and showcase what we find beautiful in and it's sort of in any given moment, like it's continuously changing and being able to have shoots and partnerships with different, like a vast variety of uh, like beautiful people um, is how we think the best way to sort of disseminate our messages. And then by creating these products that people can then take that, like view these images, because for us at the end of the day, like one, we're inside the system, like we're not outside the system. So Camille and I are impacted by beauty standards. We're not like above it in any way. It's sort of like our own struggle of weeding through this that also come is part of why we've created this brand because we don't want to age the it with within the same sort of rule set that our mothers did. Like, no, thank you. Um, so... There's that, but then uh, there's also, so being able to showcase different ideas of beauty um, through different shoots that we do. So working with different models, whether they're like professional models or just people we see on the street or friends, people we know, um, and showcasing these people to our customers is really how we think like that's what gets our message out here, out there. Like we are very visual animals. So being able to like, that's really like our messaging and the copy we use is all focused on this empowerment and being encouraging people to define beauty in their own way, but seeing it again and again and again, we really believe is the best way to encourage people to sort of mimic what they're seeing, but mimic it in the way that they in the way that they want. 
or feel inspired yes yeah yes yeah yeah as you were talking I um I had beauties in the eye of the beholder pop into my head Mm -hmm. and actually it sounds like what you're trying to do is show everybody the eye of the beholder rather than the beauty itself and because I guess that's the other thing isn't it when your family look at you I mean you mentioned obviously you've got kind of your child and your mom and they're both beautiful but they're both I'm not saying they're not by the way but they're both beautiful to you for whatever reasons they are and you know so your family and friends they all see beauty in in that individual in lots of different ways the same with your partner those things that make you you yes with which is so exciting to us like we have no problem with like if you want to have huge lips and cheeks full of filler incredible like However you want to express your, your definition of beauty, that's, that is so exciting to us, but it's, it's understanding where that's coming from and sort of why you're doing that. And we don't know why we're attracted to different things. And like our boyfriends are polar opposite in terms of aesthetic. And we obviously both find them very beautiful and we both find like, the, uh, the images we create for the brand beautiful. So it's like, there's no one way to interpret beauty attraction, like all of these things. And that's, what's so exciting to us. And it's getting sort of getting back to that, um, like natural drive and desire and connection, um, to what is, uh, beautiful to us and what, uh, yeah, like ignites us rather than having just like one specific definition vision yeah cheeks yeah like that's what's and i think too coming back to the question of what is beauty i think when you see someone comfortable in their own skin there's really not anything much more beautiful than that and that really radiates so by showing more images by allowing people to do what they want versus what they feel like they have to do i feel like the beauty really comes out and whether you like my dark lipstick i'm wearing right now or not I think the energy, hopefully, that you feel, it's like, okay, I'm not even looking at that lipstick right now. It's really beyond makeup. Yeah, it's amazing watching you two kind of come to life just as as that last section. It was like, (laughs) yes, this is what we care about. And I think it's so lovely. It must be hard as, as brand owners, look at the business side of it. When you're wanting to represent so many things because so many things are beautiful, in brand world and marketing world, that must be quite hard too, though, to not feel like you're looking all over the place. How do you guys navigate that? That must be hard. It's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's really hard. Every time we want to launch a product, we're like, let's do this crazy purple. Yeah. Stuff, like, and then we're like, no, it's not going to sell. Yeah. How do we pay for it? <laughs> we have to pay for it. So how yeah. can we offer everything and, and but like yeah. be very curated at the same time? Because we, we don't want to launch a million products. We know it's a very saturated industry. We know there's a lot of access. We want to be very thoughtful and offer a lot with a little product at the same time. So we're just trying to have that balance um, mm-hmm. so that we can offer something for everyone. Yeah. It's hard. And we do like sort of one of the original ideas we had before we launched the brand was that these buckets that were traditionally put into, like I've been told so many times I can't wear black. I can't wear red because I have red hair and freckles. I completely and disagree. I am wearing black and red. So <laughs> there are these different rules that are put upon us, but also these different buckets. Like it's like those magazine spreads when it's like 
30, this is what you should get, 40, this is 60, whatever. Um, we thought, we think that those are quite arbitrary when it comes to, of course, there's things that skin, an eight-year-old skin needs versus an 80-year-old skin needs. Like there are physical differences, but when it comes to aesthetics, there aren't really. Like we don't think, like your taste can grow and change, but my tastes don't grow and change into like a neutral dusty rose colored palette, like no. Um, so we felt that that was something we wanted to explore. And we found that really to be true. Like there isn't a bucket as we were talking about before, like a bucket of, of our customers that like 30 year olds buy this, 40 year olds buy this, six year olds buy that. Um, so we have found that while it is challenging in terms of like creating and launching, all of the product we want to. Um, it is really wonderful to see that people are willing to explore and play and have fun with the product. Um, so being able to launch, like we launched our watercolor tints, which were in four shades and we made them all like a bit of a muddy shade compared to a, the, a traditional like light pink. We made it like a bit dirty. Um, and we did this incredible like ballpoint ink color. I a bit of it on right now. Oh, on oh, your lips. That's yeah. so yeah. cool. So, so did that double up as a liner on your eyes? It's a it's actually a water-based formula for lip and cheek. Um, so I have a pencil lined and then the, yeah, it's like a dark indigo uh, watercolor tint, which is very unusual, but we, we always want to have some it's sort of, very, well, I'm seeing lots of people in the UK wearing that color at the moment. My friend actually had it on the other day. So I, it's very lovely. They both are, to be fair, you're making me want to go and put red lipstick on right now. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So just being able to play with color and variation in that way. And yeah. sort of like at the end of the day, our goal is to, yes, encourage people to define their own beauty and do that through like surprising and delighting our customers. Like that's really what we want to do. And that's what we care about. Um, so but it's more giving them the opportunity to surprise and delight, yes, isn't it? Exactly. I think yeah. yes. it's kind yeah, of, we're yeah. not going to tell you what to do. We're just going to give you the tool to do it. And then you go yeah. crazy and have fun. Yeah. Which yeah. can also be a challenge because I do think people still, so it really just depends on the person, but I do think a lot of people still like being told step-by-step step what to do. So a challenge for us is how we, how can we provide that education without telling you exactly what to do? We're constantly trying to figure that out, that piece out. Mm -hmm. I think that's the hardest part because also self-diagnosis. So even things like people constantly obsessed with like hooded lids and how you have to then apply your shade differently to get the most open eye or this or that. And some of that they want to do, right? That's not so much a society thing. It's I want to look more awake. I've taken this time to look as awake and fresh as I can feel. So I want to do that versus the palettes and the colors that you use to support it. I think they're really different, different things. And I think what's really nice as well is you know, we've all got different parts to our personality. And actually, I think how we dress and how the makeup that we do should reflect that personality that we're trying to portray for the day. So I can kind of have the chilled out, you know, cap, hoodie, leggings, trainers, kind of chilled mum working vibe look for the day, just come back from pickup. But then I can also have 
bright electric blue eyeliner with big lashes, big curly hair and a knee on top because I'm going out to a club somewhere with my girlfriends or, you know, there's all these kind of balances and it's having those tools and that ability and being confident enough to go, I'm going to try this. So it's, I think with brands, it really is about showing how to do it rather than what, what to do, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And do you think that's where you guys are kind of trying to get to then when that's for you, that's what's changing the narrative? Yes, for sure. And to say, if you want to wear your neon gear to pick up, that's also super cool. Like do it sort of do as you will. Like, I don't know. If I, can. I mean, I did dress up as a giant whipping cushion once, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> for, for us, it's very much like we do believe that education is sort of like empowerment because once you have, once you have your knowledge, you can sort of critically analyze and interpret it as you will um and for us if that is people gaining confidence to using our product through watching simone say this is how i do it on a hooded lid like i have very hooded eyelids so have it like watching katie jane hughes over the years who's focused on that a lot like i'm like oh now i can take this and apply it to how i want to do my makeup but having that foundation is super helpful and and I think also constantly reminding people that makeup is temporary. You won't know what you like until you try it. It comes off. So don't be afraid to play and, you know, look kind of, I think we were talking about this before, go outside your everyday color palette to try something new. You never know. We do become afraid as adults to play with makeup. You're so right. And it's such a shame because yeah, I used to play all the time. I'm going to go play with my makeup now, guys. You've totally inspired me to do that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I have one last question. I've loved talking to you guys. Can you believe we've been talking for about 50 minutes now? This is bonkers. Oh, wow, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have one last question for you. Um, I kind of touched on it earlier. We have a lot of marketeers and people that are trying to bring brands out into this space. If you could give one piece of advice to marketeers listening today based on what you've done before and kind of what you're learning now, what would that advice be? I think it would just be treating the customer with respect. I think a lot of times, in, I, you know, we've both worked in marketing as well. We feel like a lot of marketing dumbs down things for the customer and assumes that tries to deliver it really simply, which we understand the effect of delivering things simply, but I think we dumb, as marketers, we dumb down things too much and just don't treat the customer with respect. And, you know, we know that customers can be critical thinkers. So I think um, that would be just being honest, not misrepresenting what a product does, um, being clear and not assuming the customer's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like inspire them to want different like you don't we don't have to all be the same and marketing the same things like we kind of feel like we want to inspire our customers to want more and that doesn't mean like to consume more but like intellectually want more and have an opener have a more open state of mind rather than just like constricting to want all of the same things I think it's, it's, if you really think about the psychology behind it all, think about how amazing you feel when you do have that outfit on that you love and you do walk out the house going, I feel so powerful today and I'm, I'm just wearing clothes. Same fabric as what I wore yesterday, but today 
nothing's knocking me over and that's where you say people that are comfortable in their own skin and confident just absolutely shine don't they i have mm. loved speaking to you both so so much thank you so much for your time it has been an absolute pleasure i cannot wait to see more of what comes from 1999 so thank you so so much ladies um we hope you've enjoyed today's episode please any questions at all for myself or camille or stephanie get in touch at podcast at the and we'll see you next time <laughs>